0: Hey, everybody, it's Dan. Uh, here at the top of the show, I just wanted to let y'all know uh, I did something. So uh, for our Patreon, uh, I have launched a bonus podcast called Our Son Pete. Uh, it's going to be a monthly thing where uh, I go through every chronological, in publishing order, uh, appearance of Pete Wisdom, my uh, off professed uh, favorite mutant British super spy uh, guy who stopped a vampire invasion from the moon. The first episode, uh, if you go to patreon.com slash Comics, is up there now to listen to. It is not behind the paywall. I uh, wanted to give you guys a taste of what I'm looking at. Uh, future episodes, again, uh, will be monthly. They will be behind the paywall ma- at the $3 a month tier. Uh, probably going to have some guests and uh, a, lot, a lot of fun. I really hope that uh, you guys consider, you know, if you like what Matt and I have been doing uh, and you want to hear us make more stuff, consider supporting the show. Uh, You know, every little bit helps and we really appreciate it. But, uh, you know, for now, enjoy this uh, taste of me rambling about a a character that not everybody likes, uh, but being very enthusiastic about it. Uh, And then in the meantime, Enjoy the rest of this week's uh, episode of WMQA. WMQA. Hello, and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week's guest
1: is the writer of IGW's Transformers Beast Wars, Ghostbusters, and the upcoming G.I. Joe Real American Hero, Saturday Morning Adventures, Eric Burnham. Welcome to the show, Eric.
2: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: So uh, what, are, what are some of the first comics that you remember reading?
2: Oh, boy. Um, I tell you, and I've told this story uh, before. It's out there on the Internet. But the, the first one that really sticks into my head, uh, when I was about five years old, uh, our house went up <laughs> in smoke. We lost just about everything. And, uh, you know, so we're over at my, uh, my grandparents. And my grandpa gives me one of his, one of his uh, stack of comics that he has for when the grandkids come over to read. Uh, and it's an Avengers annual. So, uh, you know, George Perez, R. Jack Kirby cover, it was, um, it was seven or eight and Nuclo is on the cover. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that was, that was the first possession that I had after losing literally everything. So, um, that's the first one that comes to mind. The first one, the first comic that I bought with my own money was, uh, several years later, it was a uh, spectacular Spider-Man number one. It's, it was in the one thirties or one forties, uh, it was Captain America and the and the tarantula knocking spidey towards the uh towards the reader and it was i was just like that's a cool cover i need to know what's going on um and i mean it just it snowballed from there
1: uh since we were going to be talking about comics of a certain theme today i thought we'd add a, another icebreaker in here um okay. what cartoons were formative for you
2: Oh boy. Um, I mean, I had, (laughs) I had the TV on so much when I was a kid, we moved around a lot. So, I mean, um, you know, the the TV was just more convenient than I don't know, going out and making friends. Uh, So, I mean, my brother was a big fan of GI Joe, the toys. I mean, we both watched the cartoon, but the toys were his domain. I watched uh, and had the collection of uh, transformers. I had, uh, I had masters of the universe, Um, but I mean, honest to goodness, you know, wake up at, uh, you know, 5 AM on, on Saturday and watch what was there, Mr. T and, and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And by God, kissy fur, if that was all that was on and I was awake, I would watch kissy fur and the Snorks and the Smurfs and Looney Tunes and all that. And then after school, you know, real ghostbusters, the filmation ghostbusters, and again, a, you know, Brave Star, Gem of the Holograms, that was in a block. I mean, you know, it was there. I was just going to sit and I was going to watch it and I just sucked it all in. So, I mean, um, tons of stuff and I, I really enjoyed it all.
0: You know, that that was the thing about our generation growing up is because cartoons were limited to, you know, certain blocks and certain channels, certain times, you really would just sort of be subject. So you would subject yourself to whatever so if you were one of those kids who woke up at like 6 a.m for no reason on a Saturday mm-hmm. yeah there probably were some you know there probably were some weird-ass cartoons in your diet because <laughs> they would just put them on at this time when oh nobody's gonna be watching them anyway
1: <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> vintage no they were, they
2: were or vintage reruns yeah no I I just you know but I mean I I found you know, so many of the things that I watched turned into work later, real Ghostbusters and Ninja mm-hmm. Turtles and Transformers and G.I. Joe. And so, I mean, um, I, I, I can point that out now to my parents. Well, look, see, look, look what I've done now with all the TV you let me watch. I was able to make a career of it. Thank you. Yeah, OK. Aren't you glad you didn't make me go outside and play? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Still
2: wish you'd done that.
0: Uh so, uh let's let's well, let's play a little internet game before we really get started here. So, uh, you know, we, we you see these all the time online, you know, one got to go. Uh, mm-hmm. Cobra Commander, Megatron, mm-hmm. Skeletor, Mumrah. One's got to go. Which one are you yeeting into the sun?
2: Oh. Boy. You know, I, I liked all those shows. I like all those villains, but I think Mumra has got to be the one to go because my God, man, that he, I got nightmares from, from that opening animation, man. So yeah, now he's going to go just if no other reason than I had, you know, second grade nightmares from Mumra.
0: That's fair. Into the sun.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But he's a cool (laughs) villain, man. He'd be great in live action. I'd love to see that.
0: And also probably of the four of those cartoons, Thundercats probably holds up the, the, uh, the least to, the original Thundercats probably holds up the least to modern scrutiny but yes
2: <laughs> I mean they they all they all have their strengths and they all have yeah. their weaknesses when you go back and watch them and uh, a, a thing that I noted when I went back a while ago and watched some Masters of the Universe was you know the recycled animation my favorite was always uh, He-Man running down a path and he stops and he's just you know bobbing the torso up and down he looks left he looks right and then he goes straight ahead again <laughs> <laughs> I crack up every time I see that. And yet I know that it was recycled. I know it was in a bunch of episodes, but if you ask me to point out which episode it was in, I could not find it to save my life, <laughs> but I know what happened.
1: You know, going back and having rewashed bits and pieces of a lot of the, the shows of the eighties in relatively recent years, mm-hmm. I gotta say real ghostbusters probably holds up the best. Uh, It really did. And
2: that was a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, Joe Straczynski coming into it and goes, well, I'm going to make it as much like the movie scary and funny as I'm allowed to. It comes on in the afternoon. Let's, let's see what we can get away with. And and gradually it became more uh, friendlier to, to even younger audiences than it was. And I think that might've just been, you know, a victim of its own success and, Straczynski moving on, but uh, but yeah, no, it, it held up uh, very well, and uh, it you know I still enjoy watching it when I catch an episode.
1: Pardon if you can't discuss this, but I figured we we should probably get the licensing elephant in the room out of the way first. Uh, <laughs> it was just announced at the end of last week that IDW will be losing the GI Joe and Transformers licenses, both of which you're writing books for currently. Uh-huh. how long ago did you find out about this and were you able to wrap up what you were working on plot wise mm-hmm.
2: uh well i i did find out about it before the public <laughs> i can't say i can't say you know tons because mm-hmm. i i don't know specifically what they would prefer i not say sure uh but course. i did find out about it before uh, before the general public and you know i mean I had GI Joe was was always a four issue thing, whether IDW had had the license, you know, going forward or not. It was always going to be four issues, and then you know maybe it would be coming back at some point or maybe not. Uh, but that was always, you know, uh, a short miniseries, and I mean that's done. That's that's fine. Uh, Beast Wars. Um, I uh, I was planning towards an end because each each arc was approved, you know as we went. So again, whether, whether um, IDW had kept the license or not, I wasn't sure if I was going to get another arc until they told me, okay, you know, start thinking of another one. And I mean, that's not entire, you know, that's not super uncommon for comics anyway, you know, to, to go mm-hmm. by the arc, you know, maybe you'll get, maybe you'll guarantee six issues or 12 issues. And then it's, you know, see how it goes from there. So I was, I was working on, on ways to do an off-ramp just in case that was where they told me to stop. And, um, and so yeah, no, a, a bunch of stuff, not everything, not everything is gonna be wrapped up. We're not gonna to get to do everything we wanted to do. And uh, since this is the last few issues that I'm working on now, Josh Burcham, the artist, he's like, I want to have this and this and this, see if you can work that in. Well, that's a lot of stuff to work in when I also have to, you know, close off as many subplots as I can and, and, this and end this plot and this plot. I have, well, now I have, uh, I'm, I was working on it today, I've got 16 pages left. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> it, it'll wrap up. It won't wrap up as, as well necessarily as I wanted to, but that's just perfectionism talking. I mean, you know, somebody could pick up and go, oh, okay, you know what, this is fine this is okay i mean it it ended the stuff you know it closed it answered the questions it's all good so hopefully that's what it will come to but i'm always going to go i wish i would have done this i wish i could have done this i wish you know i could have fit this in or or you know eh, that's i mean that's that's every project though that's the nature of the beast when when uh, when a project ends is you always think of stuff that you wish you could have got in or wish you could have done but to get past the babbling <laughs> we're we're getting as close to to wrapping up as um as we can i mean it's it's not i mean I, I initially pitched well how about we we wrap it up in such a way you know maybe they break time and so we can have everybody you know the megatron is arrested they go back to to cybertron and it's you know it's done but on the other hand of the, the little sliding doors thing we're doing here they're just getting back to the planet and it starts over so that you know both things are true we get closure and and they get uh, they get to keep the beast wars raging they said no don't do that <laughs> so that that didn't happen but uh you know we're, we're uh we talked about the we talked about endings we talked about what it would make uh the most uh, sense and uh, the stuff we wanted to have closure on the most and then the stuff that you know is less important to to deal with and uh i'm just going to try to uh, get as much of those those uh checks box is checked off, you know, I get as many things. But I mean we we will have an ending. We we did get enough of a heads up that it's not going to be you know ending on a cliffhanger or anything like that. Um so yeah I mean there will be there will be an ending.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So so to go back to one of my favorite 80s references, it won't be the end of Alf.
2: (laughs) No, it won't be the end of Alf. My goodness. Now I'm thinking of when they when they picked it back up for the uh for the movie. Mm-hmm. then they did the tv movie and what i remember is i was walking past the tv it was playing in another room I, I didn't even realize it was on i was walking past and they had a don't ask don't tell joke that i was not expecting from alf and i just i was i was drinking a kind of little spit take <laughs> as, as i said alf whoa um and then i went about my business but um but yeah you know just just throwing throwing uh veiled innuendos at the uh at the government agents, I wasn't expecting, I should have probably expected that from Alf, but I didn't.
0: <laughs> we, we've all seen what Elf gets off gets off to when he doesn't think the cameras are on. So <laughs> it's true, yes.
1: <sighs> Whether it's you know off color or taking part in the evolutionary wars, Marvel <laughs> annual crossovers.
2: Oh my goodness, boy! It's been a while since I thought of those old themed crossovers. Those were those are always fun to look forward to when they when they had a nice cohesive story.
0: I, I, I'm so not a back issue uh, person, but like that that Alf evolutionary war tie-in, I've decided if I ever stumble across that at a at a convention or mm-hmm. like on on a wall to shop, I'm like, all right, that's gonna be that's gonna be my treat yourself because it's just so yeah. ridiculous that you know it belongs in a museum.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't do a whole lot of specific back issue collecting. You know, go back and look for you know maybe I'll I go through and I look and if something jumps out. Yeah. well i'll grab it a few years ago i was uh i was wandering uh the san diego comic-con hall with um with chris ryle and scott tipton they were going on their their mm. back issue walk and i i i didn't have anything to do at that uh, point in time of the day so i followed along and i found one of atlas comics tiger man number one mm. and the cover was just i mean the character had this this horrified you know stretched into some kind of face that only jim carrey could really make and you know they in the, in the four uh the guy the, the villain who is talking to the hero he's got a gun tucked into his back pocket in i mean just you know barrel first into the back pocket that looked weird and he's saying yeah tiger man i killed your sister so what and it was just the most insane looking 1970s nonsense i said i've got to buy this I don't think I've ever read it, but I had to buy it just for that cover. <laughs> oh Atlas, I mean the, the, the 70s Atlas comics, if you've ever come across any of them, they, they're insane in the best way.
0: Ah, Martin Goodman's Revenge comics. Yes, 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 mm-hmm.
1: yes. <laughs>
0: So, so moving on to what we, you know, are here to talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you're about to start Matt, a new I series. I came here to talk about Martin Goodman's Revenge Comics. I don't know about
2: you. <laughs> That's what anybody should be talking about in this year of our Lord, 2022, Martin Goodman. Thanks, Skippy. <laughs> That's right.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you are about to start a new series, uh, G.I. Joe, Real American Heroes, Saturday Morning Adventures. Uh, issue one yes. is due out in a couple weeks, February 16th. How did uh, this series come to you? Well, it
2: it worked like this. Uh, I've worked for a very long time with Dan Schoening. We worked together on Ghostbusters, on Godzilla. Uh, Dan comes from animation. Uh, That was his first gig before he decided to move into comics. And Dan can perfectly mimic, as the folks who saw our get real, you know, crossover with the real Ghostbusters, he can just nail. If there's there's reference, if there's turnarounds, if there is... um, well, I mean, any, 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 All uh, oh, the word is uh, skipping me, uh, but uh, designs, hey, you know, character designs, if he has access to the character designs, he can make. And um, yeah, that, that was, that was really, that was really it. They're like, you know, it'd be really cool if we could do, it would be like the GI Joe, the Sunbow thing. This actually came up three or four years ago and maybe it could turn into Transformers versus GI Joe, you know, put the two together, or maybe it could turn into GI Joe and something else. And then it, you know, it bounced around. Is it a crossover? Is it um, just focusing on the GI Joe? Do we delve into a story and expand on that? Do we do something new? And uh, it, it just, it was all uh, predicated on Dan being able to and Luis Delgado, who does the coloring, to just nail the look and make it look like we're uh, dropping, <laughs> you know, cutting and pasting uh, animation cells onto the page. Uh, since they can do that, I mean, it was just like, well, we, we got to do something with a cartoon here. That I mean, that was it, it's it's it was as simple as that. It would look really cool if Dan drew it. Let's do it. And it took a while to get around to it because Dan, he's a busy guy.
1: Speaking of, as you said, you and Dan have been working together for quite some time. How did you two originally come together as a creative team?
2: Um, really, it was uh, we. Uh, idw had decided to do a ghostbusters ongoing i put in the pitch because uh, ghostbusters infestation the first thing that i worked on with ghostbusters was well received and um i worked on, on that with kyle hots and uh, he wasn't available to do the ongoing so tom was looking around and, and he liked dan's artwork dan had done a one-shot with him uh with the ghostbusters with peter david Tom just liked his art. He says, have you heard of Dan? I said, I've never heard of Dan. Don't know him. Look at his artwork. Well, that looks cool. You want to work with him? Sure. That was it. I mean, (laughs) and we just, we, we got along and um, we, we just, you know, kept working on projects together. Thankfully, this is, this is pure luck for me because I mean, Dan is just, Dan and Luis both are just wonderful talents and easy to work with. And we, compliment each other if I forget to put something in the script he remembers to draw it if he forgets to draw it and doesn't want to go back and draw it I'm easy, <laughs> I'm able to you know turn around and, and write something that makes it make sense and uh, then Luis just makes it all look pretty it's 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 I mean it, it's pure luck for me it I stumbled into a wonderful working relationship and yeah it, it, it's it's I try to make the story take up a little bit more time but it was really as simple as Tom said hey you want to work with this guy sure sure let's do it
1: Sometimes serendipity is a wonderful thing. That's true. Uh, Did you do a big rewatch of the the animated series when you started this assignment?
2: Uh, You know what? I I did. I went back. uh, They've got a good chunk of G.I. Joe on Tubi. Mm -hmm. So I went through and I watched a good chunk of G.I. Joe, you know, make sure I got some of the voices right. And uh, I mean, some of them, if they're just... (laughs) if they're just giving you exposition oh it's fine it doesn't matter if they sound 100 percent with the exposition but um but the cadence of speech made a little bit more sense to to nail with certain characters i mean we got major blood in issue one or two and i'm just like okay uh some words are just not going to sound right with that crazy affected english accent that is used for major blood so i'll i'll try to to leave those words out but um No, uh, mostly I just wanted to go back and watch and see just what kind of things that I could get away with, what kind of nonsense. And I'm like, we got Egyptian gods running around. We've got gremlins turning into giant monsters with whips. We've got time travel. We've got interdimensional stuff. I I can do anything. This is fine. So what, what we wound up doing was, well, what if Cobra Commander got a hold of Aladdin's lamp? And from there, you know, uh, it's always had the the story has always had, you know, limits on what the genie could do. So, you know, uh, Cobra Commander has limits. He can't just have, you know, okay, I want to rule the world. Well, we can't do that. What else can I do for you? You know, Um, and it's 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 just been a big, funny, silly adventure with um, with fantasy and science fiction and and uh, all that wonderful stuff that the Sunbow did. uh, The Sunbow uh, cartoon did with G.I. Joe.
0: Yeah, G.I. Joe, I think of, of all those sort of foundational 80s uh, action cartoons, uh, mm-hmm. that was that was my favorite that, you know, uh, G.I. Joe, the movie the, the you know, the the 86 or whatever year it was mm-hmm. like, that was my first favorite movie. And I feel like, you know, really a good proving ground for what would become, you know, the X-Men fandom that I get into in my like teens and later years, because you know, both are just this large casts of colorful characters in, in, you know, bright color. Well, I guess in the Joe's case, there's more, you know, khaki and olive and what have you. But still, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and also more pro wrestlers and NFL players that get inserted <laughs> in the, into the mix.
2: And Stallone, you know, <laughs> but
0: but but the X-Men had
1: uh, NPR commentators, you know, Claremont liked to, to put them in there, so. You yeah. didn't have those on G.I. Joe.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, but G.I. Joe taught me about William the Refrigerator Perry.
2: So That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think, you know, one of the biggest frustrations is it's four issues, it's 80 pages, and everybody wants to see us use their favorite Joe. They want mm. them to have the spotlight, and it's just like, well, I can't tell a story and have, you know, I've, I've just got to focus on a couple few, which is likely going to be the same couple few that showed up in a lot of the (laughs) a lot of the episodes but i'm trying to get as many of the uh i mean you know appearances for as many of the characters as i can as i can get in for dan to draw to have fun with and um one of the things that somebody somebody wrote and asked us could you could you get in you know Steeler and clutch and i'm like oh yeah you know i should write those guys in and then we get a we get a note back yeah no they're they're in another dimension we can't use those they're technically (laughs) They're technically dead to the GI Joes by season two and you're doing stuff with, with the, the bats. So that's season two. So you can't use clutch and Steeler. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> I didn't see that episode of the cartoon. So I didn't know that. So this guy's going to think that I'm, I'm blowing him off about uh, using clutch and Steeler. Sorry, fella. But uh, <laughs> they're very serious about the continuity. Um, but no, no, we we've uh, we've had a bunch of things, and and we also we did yes include the PSAs at the end.
1: Oh, yes, oh, you 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 know what? you literally just hit uh, two of our next three questions in that one answer. <laughs> That's love it when that happens.
2: It's you know I mean I babble uh, I babble enough and eventually get around to doing stuff like that. But yeah, no, uh so we we do have the PSAs and those were strange to write um you know trying to come up with something that that worked was corey on one level but Ernest on another and we only had one page to do it so it had to be it had to be brief and uh you know we're, I, it was it was something you could have a wink and a smile uh at the audience with um so uh yeah no i, I if, if if i keep going i'll just tell you what the psas are so i, I won't do that they, they, my editor might get a little irritated if i start telling you know specifics <laughs> about the issue but it is fun and uh I, mainframe is the first one who shows up i'll show you that okay okay yeah
0: very cool yeah no you know and and, and comics i i love good back matter in comics and so mm-hmm. you know thinking about what i'd want in a gi joe well there i mean there you go the psas
2: <laughs> yeah i mean that's i mean if you're doing the Joe and you don't have those something's yeah. wrong it's got to it- be there you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you lose your, uh, your educational funding from, uh... mm-hmm,
2: that's right. Yeah. You <laughs> have to, yeah. Got a little bit, you know, we, you blew up people 10 pages before you can't give us a little, a little bit on the, uh, on the PSA about the internet or something.
0: <laughs> we also told you not to run with scissors. That's
2: right. <laughs> it was, it was all I could do. I, I knew that I couldn't do it, but I so wanted to uh, throw in a nod to the, the, uh, the, the wonderful YouTube nonsense that was done, the pork chop sandwiches and the body massage, you know, the whole yes. thing. I knew I wouldn't be allowed to. I knew that, I would, I, that would get shut down hard, but I was so tempted mm-hmm. to just try and see if I could get it past him. But I knew, I knew better. I knew better. <laughs>
0: hey, I, I, Matt, help me craft a memory here. I feel like Valiant, uh, shortly at you know, during their sort of like 12 to 18 return, did a bunch of those sort of like Joe-esque PSAs but with like their characters Is that sounding familiar?
1: You're saying it and you're making me Think of that they Might have with Quantum and Woody as a
0: I, I a, feel like Daniel Kibblesmith wrote Some of them. Yeah
1: because I think they were like Gag strips you know with Quantum And Woody as an, an introduction to the Next volume of Quantum and Woody showing up As either ads or You know viral internet uh-huh. Twitter promo stuff
0: Yeah it's, with, they, with it's
1: The goat Yeah <laughs>
0: It's definitely something that's left a left a legacy uh, in and out of comics, Um, you know, talking about dealing with an unwieldy cast, only having four issues and having to sort of pick and choose, you know, for people who are worried about Steeler and Clutch and and all their favorite Joes, of course, you know, there's there's nearly 300 issues of of uh, real American hero that they can pick from. Uh, with that in mind, you know, given you guys work at the same publisher, have you ever gotten to talk Joe's with, with, uh, lethal Larry Hama? Uh,
2: you know what? I, I, uh, I had, I was at a convention and I had uh, dinner with Larry once and G.I. Joe never came up. Honestly enough. Uh, cause, and here's why, because Larry has a lot of stories to tell. Okay. And I'm not going to interrupt these very cool stories to ask about, you know, G.I. Joe, the stories he has, are cooler than GI Joe. I understand that that might sound like blasphemy to some people, but Larry's a cool guy, so I'm just going to let him talk and say whatever he wants and absorb it. No, so but Larry was in Nam. He was an actor for a time. Like, oh man, yeah, he's he's it's it's yeah. No, he's he's got all the good stories.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. we uh, hosted a panel at a con with various Marvel creators of the the 80s, and Larry was one of them. And oh boy, there's one story that I think it was he and. Jerry Conway, were sort of tag teaming this story about a letter that came in and an editor making a snide comment about the letter. And oh, boy, that became it was like, that's a
0: wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, I can't remember specifics now. Uh, You know, listeners go back and find the Camden Comic Con episode. But I do remember that story got dark.
1: Oh, Yeah. yeah. It got real friggin' dark. Yeah, there it, was a it, whole
2: th- lot of that. Escalated quickly with Larry. That's great.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. The the moral of the story was, don't make snide comments to a an odd letter. The guy might turn out to be a spree killer.
2: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: And, and knowing God. is half the battle. Uh-
2: <laughs> That's, yes. <laughs> That's definitely one for the uh, for the PSAs. Yes, sir.
0: Ah, oh, yep. Jesus. Uh, So we got a question in from our uh, favorite grand Twitter inquisitor as my fangirl who does ask uh, if you became a member of the Joes, what would be your specialty and your code name? Uh, Now, I thought this would be a fun question for the group uh, to give either of you gentlemen a chance to think on it. I'll go first. Uh, Not an original name, but uh, I, I did think that we can agree the Joes could use some civilian office people to keep things at the base organized and keep people on task. So I would use my powers of organization under the code name, again, not original, but taskmaster. Now, the fun thing is with that name, I could very easily change alignments. So if a writer ever wanted to do a double Asian story with my character, it would also work as a Cobra code name. And that was my, uh, that was my rationale.
2: Well, there you go. That's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I would, uh, be terrible (laughs) in most, most specialties, but, uh, I did, uh, you know, some of my first jobs was on radio. I had FCC license, so just put me into the radio network. Get little good morning Vietnam going on there. Uh, I don't know, top 10 or some ridiculously, you know, any, anything you can come up with that's, that's radio adjacent. Uh, that's where I'll go. Just, just stick me behind a microphone and, uh, and some knobs and some, some CDs, some vinyl. I'll be, I'll be fine.
0: I like that.
1: I'll go with database and I could be the oracle. Of the Joes, as I'm a DBA and you know IT guy, I I could fix their computers. I could send them intel and organize all their files. We're we're all you know absolutely out there, you know, on the front lines. The three of us.
2: That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Support staff. That's what you really need. It's a bureaucracy,
0: GI Joe.
2: You gotta have you gotta have some extra. You gotta have some some people who are pushing the paper.
0: Uh, The important thing is that we all get paid.
2: That's right. (laughs) Damn right. That's right.
1: (laughs) So moving on to uh, the next project, uh, Mm -hmm. Beast Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a cartoon, I mean, even removing the animation style, but we'll get there. Beast Wars was a different type of series than Real American Hero or even you know more than meets the eye there was all sorts of like heavy philosophy sort of baked into that series Uh, Uh did you looking at that want to try to build some of that stuff into your pitch and into your work for the series or were you just let's just try to tell the best action story we can and we'll see what we can do with some of that stuff
2: well, uh, you know, the pitch was, I, it changed a little bit as to what Hasbro and what IDW wanted. Uh, it started off with the, the idea that it was just going to be kind of an expanded look at the first few episodes, you know, and, and delve in and, and give it a little more de- uh, deconstruct or reconstruct or, you know, just, just take more space to tell the stuff. And that was where we were going at first. And then they said, you know what? We've changed our minds. We still want it to start the same way. We still wanted to have the golden disc. We still want the same characters largely involved. But other than that, do whatever you want. And the other uh, stipulation that they gave me was the first, uh, the first arc had to be a six issue story. I couldn't break it up, you know, like three issues and then two. And then one, which is what we did later. So the, the first, the first arc and there was some criticism this seems to be going on forever this is way more space than this needs and yeah it was a little bit more space than it was needed i was definitely padding because they asked for six issues on the first arc um and i i, I don't always um i don't <laughs> i don't always uh, write stories that dense you know for the, for the six issues but um we we got that going and we just you know go nuts with stuff i can change i was allowed to to change you know tweak the characters personalities a little bit I couldn't I couldn't wildly do something different you know Megatron isn't all of a sudden going to be quiet (laughs) (laughs) you know just a shy unassuming guy who by the way wants to undermine the entire civilization no it's not going to be Megatron Um, but I was encouraged to show stuff that happened before the series took off you know they with the show it's just like okay well we've we've gone through time and we're about to crash well, how about we show them stealing the ship? How about we show a little bit before, you know, what happened? And then another thing that was asked for, they, they said, we're not going to get around to black arachnia for a while. Um, at least issue seven would be the soonest that we would see her. So, you know, we, we could, we could use, we could use some more, uh, gals in the book. So, okay. New characters. That's cool. Let's, let's do that. And, you know, some, so, some, some things that were, were asked for and, and, uh, we 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 baked it all up and, and saw where it would go. And yeah, no, um a lot of leeway. They did ask for the specific things, like I said, and they were, they were right there with, you know, when the scripts came in, no, don't do this. <laughs> uh, this you can do in fact, push this further. And uh, you know, we, we, we were just building and having fun and doing some of the same things differently and something doing some different things and having fun. And I, the, the, the entertaining, um, feedback I, 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 saw on the internet was either, and from the same people, mind you, either, why are they changing things? What's wrong with the story that they have to change things. And at the same time in the next breath, why are they doing the same thing all the time? Can't they do anything different? <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's just what happens. Uh, you know, when, whenever you're on a beloved property and, uh, it's, it's it's all it's all in fun you know nothing was taken seriously nobody was you know uh, no you know sending bombs or, or threats it was it was you know fun so yes again babbling aside you got to do a lot of stuff have a lot of fun with it do things a little bit differently add a little bit of silliness and add a little bit of my personality I guess to what was there as the template for the show
1: so you mentioned, new characters, and that was something that I found fascinating, because you introduced Nix and Skold, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Maximal and a Predacon. Uh, when it comes to creating new characters for Transformers, is there... Are there notes about how toytastic they have to be? Or something from Hasbro when it comes to licensing and that concept? Mm-hmm. Or is it just you know, create something and we'll <laughs> say yay or nay and we'll go from there. It, it's,
2: it starts with the, you know, create something and we'll go yay or nay. But they do consider everything. They do consider, you know, um, is this too close to something else um, that we don't want to do? Because there's there's several departments that have to sign off on any given thing. Uh, they have their, their brand team, you know, does this, is this consistent with how we want to present the brand? And then they have their licensing team. They're two different teams and they both look at, at everything we do. So yeah, it's, it's the, the amount of, of folks that have to say yes for any given thing that pops into the book. Um, it's there, there's, there's, there's quite a few (laughs) that have to sign off on things. So yes, with new characters, it, you know, Every, every possible thing was considered it started with a yay or nay but they do consider whether it's something that's too close to something that they might want to be doing and they will say i mean there was there were, i don't remember what it was now but there was something that we were going to do in the book uh that was part of the pitch and they said no you can't do that because in you know a year and a half it's going to be in a cartoon <laughs> so no you know or or something like that it's There's, um, there's, there's bunches of stuff, but they do consider everything and it all factors into the, the yeses and nos. And sometimes they'll tell you the reason that they say yes or no. And sometimes they'll just say yes or no. But I I will say that while I'm babbling, they, they, they're not, um, you know this is this is there's no there's there's no malicious to uh and in, in any of the notes the yes is no they they always want to get to yes and they will give very good notes to get to a yes um and if they say no you know uh, and 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 it's a it's a hard no and uh there's some reason that they just you know they, they don't want to get they don't they don't want to leak their reasoning then you know i mean it's uh then, then they don't then they don't give any suggestions on how to fix it <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah. I guess I hopefully that answered the question. I danced around it a little bit,
1: but yeah. Um, so I'm, I asked you about rewatching GI Joe, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to ask the same about Beast Wars. Did you do the rewatch there? Because I mean, a few years ago, I was out somewhere and I found the complete series on DVD mm-hmm. for not terribly much, and I bought it and I watched it, and you know, the plot's held up, but the animation, I mean. Boy, how it's in that period where we're in the, the beginnings of CG animation and we're not quite at the smoothness of modern CG, but we're not in that, that really nice, crisp, classical animation style. And it's it's there's growing pains there.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I did go back and, well, it went in a reverse order. This was right... Just at the beginning of 2020, um, the the pandemic was uh, was just about to to get real and the lockdown starting. And uh, I was um, I was watching I was watching TV, flipping through on the Roku, seeing if I couldn't find something interesting to watch. Um, late night insomnia, couldn't sleep. Came across Beast Wars on Tubi again, and uh, I didn't actually see. Beast Wars when it first came out because we lived in the middle of nowhere in the backwoods of Minnesota so we did just didn't get reception (laughs) if we didn't get the channel we didn't you know it wasn't available um but but you know here it was and I'm watching it and uh I was I was fascinated by the weird balance between okay this is clearly an action show for seven-year-olds but that was also clearly sexual innuendo (laughs) (laughs) that was there was no mistaking i mean they're just hoping it goes over the kids heads but i mean i you know it was there and uh you know I, i got a kick out of the characters and and you know i emailed tom waltz who you know editor at idw and was shepherding the Transformers stuff and i asked him if they had ever planned on doing anything with Beast Wars because it'd be fun to pitch, you know, one shot or, you know, a series. And he goes, hey, funny, you should ask. <laughs> We're <laughs> about to do an ongoing series. Would you like to pitch for that? Sure. And, you know, so I, I uh, watched a few more episodes and I threw together some ideas and got notes and feedback and, you know, change this, add this, do this. And we went from there. And after Hasbro said that, you know they liked mine and that's what they wanted to go with we went from there i should say (laughs) because i wasn't i wasn't pitching alone there were some other people who had ideas
0: so how i guess with the pandemic and everything was there was there like a timetable delay in other words like did this series launch later than it was originally supposed to
2: no it was always going to come out in 2021 because the 25th anniversary so no it, it it um it uh it hit the it hit the bullseye what they're aiming for in February. Uh, we we went through all of the the plotting and polishing, and I started writing in July or August of 2020. So I mean, I got I got a good chunk of stuff written. I think I got the entire first arc written before before I knew who was drawing it. <laughs> so yeah which is not always ideal. You know, it's, it's nicer when you can, when you can tailor things, you know, Oh, this guy draws, uh, draws detailed, you know, smaller panels. Okay. Well, you know, throw them nine panels and go in the grid and, and and pace it that way. This one likes to do huge panels with lots of action. Okay. So three panels on the page and pace it that way. And, you know, when you don't know who you have, you just got to guess, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and run through it and, and try to write something that any artist can, you know, not, not have too bad a time drawing.
0: So when you finally got paired with, with an artist, you know, Mm -hmm. how, how do you, how did that change, I guess, your, your, your scripting process?
2: Well, um, I mean, it just, it just came down to seeing how Josh drew things and how he preferred to draw things and, um, what he what he added to a panel versus what he didn't uh, that just it it, it uh, you know okay so so uh, it um, trying to figure out how to phrase it it influenced how much dialogue I would give a character in any given scene it influenced the type of action that I would write for Josh to draw the type of stuff that he preferred to the type of fighting that he preferred to draw or the action that he preferred to draw versus the stuff that he didn't I could see if he didn't prefer to draw something it, it didn't have the same life as the stuff that he, he did like to draw uh, action wise, you know? Uh, so I, I tried to lean into the stuff that he, he liked drawing a little bit better. Well, I mean, you know, that's, that's with anybody. though. you can always, if you look hard enough, you can always see what they're bored by. <laughs> and it's, it's not, I mean, it's not like it looks, it's not like you look at it and go, well, that's crap. No, it's nothing like that. It's just you, when when they're really engaged by drawing something, it it truly comes to life and the rest is good. it's, it's um it's competent, it's got all the stuff that you need, but it doesn't have the same spark of life as when they're just really into it and having fun. So I Josh, do not stab me in the back of the head. It's not an insult. I'm totally complimenting <laughs> you. You've made a you you you've made a lot of beautiful pages.
1: Can you say how many issues is the series gonna wind up being now?
2: Um the last issue. I think I can say it uh, should be issue 17.
0: So we talked, we talked about this a, a, a little, but, you know, I, I was curious because, you know, we know how star Wars fans are. And and again, you know, coming from X-Men fans, we know the, how they are. And I was, I was just curious with these sort of licensed properties that call back to, to, you know, uh, toys and cartoons from decades ago. Uh-huh. Does the fandom behave itself? Well, um, and this most... is a Sport be specific because you've no, got a no, lot no. of these different it's... types of properties.
2: Mostly, mostly they do. There's always, you know, I mean, it's, it's society. There's always going to be a little subsection of people who are going to be dicks just because they are, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and that's just, I mean, that's, that's society. There's always that small subsection, uh, for the most part, you know, it's, it's always been 99, 98, 99%, perfectly reasonable people. And then there are some folks who Who they're upset? I read a thing years ago. This is this is how I'll put it. I read a thing years ago that a lot of fans are angry about things that are done, and not because you know they're they're better or worse, good or bad, whatever. It's they're mad because they weren't consulted, (laughs) that they they didn't get to give the you know their two cents and whether whether they were ignored or not, they just didn't give their get to give their opinion officially and have it weighed. I think that that really pops up a lot and. you know, if they, if if someone who really invests into uh, a universe, uh, comics and TV and movies and everything, and they think that they're just being ignored, well, you know, they can get a little, a little snippy, a little snarky, and I completely understand that. Um, I hate it when uh, when it gets gets personal, but again, that's that's like one percent <laughs> of of you know anybody uh, you know who, who who is upset. For the most part, it's it's been. Uh, people who, uh, Beasts were specific or Ghostbusters or anything else I've done, it's been people who have really enjoyed it. The folks who didn't like it are like, eh, not for me. That's fine. Some folks had criticism that made a lot of sense. That's fine. Um, The only people who I I don't like are the ones who just, you know, looking for an excuse to to stir the pot, have a little bit of snark, and, uh, you know, look at how clever I am. I'm saying something terrible about this book that's also funny or the people who made it, or, you know, I mean, this, you're looking for attention. I don't really care for that, but you know, it's, it's always going to be there no matter entertainment. It's going to be there for sports. It's going to be there for, you know, I mean, people get paid to do it uh, for politics. <laughs> it's just, it's, that's what it is. It, and um, you know, but like I said, at the end of the day, people want to enjoy the stuff that they love and they give a lot of latitude and um, are, are generally very, forgiving and and supportive and uh it's it's been lovely um especially with with beast wars here people have really taken to some of the changes that we made some of the new characters and um i've gotten some very nice letters some of which were sent to idw and ran in the book and some just you know came to me um dms or you know twitter or or what have you and um it's really nice to hear that someone connects to something and it makes a difference in their mood. You know, it's just not, it's not a crazy life-changing thing, but you know, edges, somebody mood, uh, edges, somebody's mood towards the positive. I'll call that a win any day. And that happens far more often than not.
0: So uh, here, here's the thing that I was actually wondering uh, regarding beast force. Is there boilerplate or a, a an agreed upon uh way for how the sound of transforming is spelled out
2: there's not an official way (laughs) i i've uh i've gone back and forth to older comics to try and see how they did it and i try to write it that way and sometimes i forget and sometimes the editor will correct the sound effects and sometimes they get busy and they forget what was done before but what i've seen most often and sometimes i i've changed this intentionally just because i'm going to change it up just to do something different see mm-hmm. if anybody says no uh but it starts out with uh, t-s-c-h-e and then uh, t-c-h-t-c-h-t-c-h-e <laughs> that's the most consistent version that i've seen and um again sometimes i'll i'll, I'll be in a hurry or just Try to change things up for for variance, and uh, you know, see if they tell me to change it back, or see if they changed it, or see if they're fine with it. Because um, with licenses, a whole lot of stuff does have a, a style guide that they will have you adhere to. But I haven't seen one for how the transformation sound effects officially goes. If they ever decide on it uh, and and make it official, then you know that'd be something that they they pass along to any Transformers writers in the future and you would start to see it be absolutely consistent every single time so that's mm-hmm. why I think they haven't quite done it yet interesting
1: mm-hmm. so I'd like to spend a little time with some of your your past work because I'm a big Ghostbusters fan sure uh, and you're possibly probably best known for your long run on IDW's Ghostbusters comics. Were That's you a fair, big yeah. Were you a big Ghostbusters fan before working on those books?
2: I was, absolutely yes. And not just a big Ghostbusters fan, but also a big fan of that generation of comedians. Mm. So, um and and that made it a lot easier to write those characters because you've seen uh, a million Bill Murray movies, Dan Aqrid movies, um, you know, take your pick. You know how they sound. So it's not just one movie I'm drawing from. I'm drawing from everything that they've done. Saturday Night Live, all the movies, interviews. And uh, that made the voices easy to capture. And I added, you know, more texture from who they are than just just the characters because, man, the voices were just clear. So, I mean, it was was easy for me to write in that sense. And I just, I mean, I, I love the property. It's... It's, it's straight up, I, I, uh, I real Freighted Cat as a kid, and not that I'm not now, but I loved the concept of being able to laugh at something to make it less scary, and Ghostbusters really does embody that, so I appreciated that then, and I appreciate it now, and that's a, a big reason that I love the, the property so much.
1: I mean, you said, you mean, you started out with that, I think it was a two-issue infestation miniseries, mm-hmm. Was at at that point or at what point did you realize you were going to be kind of in this for the long haul versus just.
2: Oh, I mean, I, I was going to do it as long as they let me. I'll put it that way. What happened was in 2009, 2009, I found out that uh, not only did IDW have the license, but my friend Tom, who I've known since our, our days in indie comics, He was the editor, said, Tom, you got to let me pitch something. I really want to work on Ghostbusters. I think it'd be great. I I think I'd be good at it. I think I'd enjoy it. Please. He says, well, we got a whole year planned out. We're going to be doing these holiday-themed one-shots. So we've got the year taken care of. But what you can do is you can pitch me an idea that I can can throw to Sony and get it pre-approved, and we can see what we can do with that. So I wrote something up, and I used all of the ideas from this pitch later in the book um it had stuff you know rival ghostbusters that you know a, a bunch of uh, ghosts coalescing into something larger they they gave me a few notes like you can't have any of the ghostbusters you can't invent family for them so that was part of the pitch i think i had peter's mother in there uh but i i i, I wrote all the stuff down i sent it off sony said you know it's it's approved if it ever gets to that around that time around uh january of 2010 they decided that this is this far it was a whole year ahead they decided that they were going to do the infestation crossover the non-crossover crossover where they had uh themes and characters pop through several of their properties so they could cross them over without actually putting them in the same book and tom asked me if i wanted to write ghostbusters yes i do tom thank you um so i had to figure out how to work with well, infestation was going to be doing. I had to work a way to have zombies and ghosts in the book and both relevant to the plot. Um, Chris Ryle, the editor-in-chief at the time of IDW, said it's, there's got to be a zombie stay puff. So I had to figure out how to make a zombie stay puffed. <laughs> and then I just threw everything in. I didn't think I was ever going to get another chance to write the Ghostbusters. I figured this 44 pages are going to be it. I'm going to have all the fun I'm going to have. And then, you know, hope I can get more comics work after that. It really was well received, and it came out in March of 2011. And you know, people people liked it. They they felt that it captured the franchise, captured the voices. And my, my only frustration with those two is I had notes on issue one. I, I I took care of the notes. I turned it back in. They were happy with it on issue two, there were a couple of things that I wanted to change, but I said, oh, I'll change it after they give me the notes that they're going to give me. I turned it in. Oh, it's approved. Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I look at infestation, there's, there's a few things that I'm like, I would have changed that. I would have shortened that, but they didn't have any notes for me. Um, so, so yeah, Tom, uh, Tom said, uh, we could pitch an ongoing series. I, I went down to a local pizza place. I sat in a corner and I, jammed out like a, a year and a half worth of ideas for stories and um i turned it in and they approved it and nobody at IW, idw thought that thomas said this in interviews nobody thought it was going to go past four issues <laughs> they're like we can call it an ongoing but <laughs> this thing's done at issue four um issue four uh, sold more than issue three and and you know so i mean it, sales were on the rise and it it went off well it i it helped. I think that we launched in September of 2011, which was when DC's new 52 started and everybody was coming into the comic shop mm. because of the new 52. And while they were there, they were seeing things like, Oh, new Ninja turtle series. Oh, new ghostbusters series. Oh, all this other new stuff. Well, since I'm here. So I think that really helped as well. And it just, you know, I mean, it exploded from that. And I loved working with Dan. I loved working on the property, love working with Tom still do in all cases. And, uh, yeah, no, we just we just uh, we just kept going, kept going and going until the the ongoing. We eventually stopped the ongoing, and then and then turned it into uh, a series of miniseries: Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters and and Get Real and all the stuff, all the miniseries, all the uh, subplots and plots kept carrying over, and everything mattered to the characters, and everything everything joined on. So you know, each miniseries played in as if it was just another arc of the comic book. And we we package them that way and trade and uh, heck, I mean, lots of fun and, and hopefully hopefully I'm not done yet.
1: <laughs> Is there a particular arc that was your favorite or that you're most proud of?
2: Oh, it's real tough for me to, to uh, have a, a favorite arc. I just I think of moments in each of them, uh, yeah, and and but um possibly possibly the most fun was either our our first ninja turtles crossover, the get real crossover, or uh, crossing over. The the more the more of the, 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 the Ghostbusters the more of the things I should say that I could have the original four Ghostbusters react to. That was always fun. So hey look it's four four foot tall turtles they're wearing masks they've got swords. Well this is New York. You know, I mean, I just loved. I loved having the the kind of uh, uh, fun. You know, just that they were so blasé about everything. It's just like, oh look, it's us, and we look completely different. And Egon, what is going on with that hair? <laughs> and you, you know, the, the the you you named the ghost from the Sedgwick. What's wrong with you people? And all this stuff. I just it it was fun to to write the reactions, and I mm-hmm. I really so yeah. All those crossovers are. Uh, collectively, my favorite, but I, I, will change my answer in five minutes. You know, I, I love them all.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, uh, and I mean, you've done all these uh, unexpected and crazy crossovers, and some more expected ones. But you know, I mean, TMNT, Transformers, X Files, mm-hmm. animated Ghostbusters, answer so the call, Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. If you had the ability to create a crossover with Anything or anyone, regardless of license or whatever, do you have an ultimate crossover in mind? Uh, I I personally would have this image of them going and investigating a case up in Puxatawney and Venkman getting caught in a time loop. But Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, there were two that came close. Um, One that didn't happen because, well, one of them was Doctor Who. And I thought that would be fun just because putting Ray and Egon at a TARDIS would be a, a lot of comedy. But the reason that didn't happen was they were only going to do one crossover a year with Dr. Who and Dr. Who was crossing over with Star Trek. So, you know, I mean, obviously uh, it makes all the more sense in the world and it's going to be a bigger book. If you cross over Dr. Who and, and, you know, Captain Picard versus Dr. Who and Dr. Venkman. So I understood that. And uh, it, it, uh, it, just didn't, didn't happen before IDW let the license go on Doctor Who. The other one that we we put feelers out about, and this was a joke that Tom made that I said, well, now that you made this joke, I can't not think of it. And I'm coming up with ideas. And they're like, the ideas were good. And we're like, okay, let's, let's reach out to Marvel. And Marvel said, no, we're not going to cross over the Fantastic Four and the Ghostbusters. Because I just kept thinking, Doom and Vigo, would make a really fun team (laughs) and, and, you know, as a Winston would, would get along with, with Ben Grimm and Peter would hate Johnny and it would just be all kinds of fun. And I could, I can just see so many ways for the, it's, it's all, I mean, you know, the stuff that you throw against them is, you know, that's, that's, that's there, that's fine to say, but you just, you know, the personalities and uh, what, what they're, What their you know the reaction to that stuff is is we're all the fun of the bookies, so it it would be I I like I plus you know I like teaming them up with with stuff that is so New York centric. So any of the classic Marvel characters would be a hoot just because it's you know it's 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 a New York it's a New York brand. So that's why they work so well with the Ninja Turtles.
1: Absolutely. Um, Now you know in prep uh, for the interviews you know always do a little light you know internet twitter stalking um mm-hmm. on friday i was looking yeah you had something about a book of cartoons you did called downside uh mm-hmm. what's that well um it's, it's a
2: downside is, uh, I mean, a, a name that I, I stuck on the random cartoons I do and put on the internet. And they're currently currently doing them a couple times a week on Patreon. I figured, okay, well, let's do something else with them. I've got them going up on Instagram. I've got them going up on Twitter so people can see them for free. But um, I was just looking for a, a project when I didn't have anything else to do, no deadline. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll, I'll put these together as a book. I don't have enough time to do a Kickstarter and a fulfillment, but I saw that Amazon has got print on demand. So let's see how this looks. And it looks, it looks okay. Some of them are beautiful. crisp Black's wonderful. Some of them are, you know, it looks like the toners has gone a little little light and there are some lines in there. And I hate that I don't know which kind someone is going to get with the print on demand, but it's also on Kindle and those look beautiful, but they're just, it's, it's just a bunch of weird cartoons. Some of it is pop culture. I don't put all the, the pop culture stuff in the book. Uh, there's more, that are in the uh you know the online stuff then i then i allowed myself to put in the book and i mean e- parody laws and everything i probably could have put it in the book but i'm just better safe than sorry mm. I, I can't i mean uh, uh, one of the ones that i didn't put in there was um i have uh steven tyler of aerosmith in the butter aisle talking about sweet emulsion and then he's he's he's, he's kicked out of the grocery store because sir you know, we, we can't, we can't have you doing this. And I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to leave that one out. We'll put, keep it on the internet, but i will leave it out of the book. Um, and then I, I, another one that I, that I left in the book, but I altered was, was a Star Wars pun. And it's got a Han Solo looking fella. He's, he's at a, uh, he's at a pole, you know, it's a firing squad. And I, I took out uh, in panel two, there was, he was, you could see the stormtroopers. I took that panel out and uh, panel three, it's got one from the back. You can, you can, probably tell it's a stormtrooper but it's nothing that that disney could say hey wait a minute that's our design exactly yeah um and and the joke is he's like you think i'm scared you guys couldn't hit the sky <laughs> so so stormtrooper comes over and he's rustling about him. han's going what are you doing and and in the panel four he's all of a sudden looking nervous because there's a little there's a little uh, stool with an apple on it. it goes everybody aim for the apple so that's that's the gag i had on that. but it was just you know just just i mean just silly stuff a lot of puns i um just just stuff that i have fun with and and try to make myself laugh try to make other people laugh and and just put it up in into a into a book and uh you know i mean it's gotten fairly good reactions from the folks who have who have read it um whether yeah you know, i mean i'm not just the book i mean people have have seen the cartoon and uh online and, and stuff not a huge audience, but I mean, I, I don't always promote it as, as well as I probably could <laughs> or should, but I mean, it's just, it's just a little bit of side fun. So yeah, uh, boiling down tons of puns and it's called downside, not because of Gary Larson's far side, which is why I subtitled this book, not far, just down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's titled that because of space balls and you get two sides to every shore. So you got the upside, I got the downside and that's yeah. Uh,
1: also, from your Twitter, uh, I saw a whole bunch of Mystery Science Theater three thousand related tweets, which is yep. another thing that I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Uh, before the dark Times trademark, um, mm-hmm. did you ever see the any of the the live stage shows? Uh, my gaming group used to go to the Cinematic Titanic every year when they would come to Princeton, and oh, they're so much fun.
2: I I. I didn't actually get to the live shows until um, I mean, I, I moved around a lot when I was younger, when they were in, doing the initial um, initial run of the show. So I didn't get to the stuff there. I never, I never caught a cinematic Titanic. Um, I never, I never saw one, you know, I, I never caught wind of one when it was, uh, when it was near me, but I did, I have seen all of the MST3K live shows that they've done since 2017. And I have enjoyed the hell out of them, and they've been so much fun. And I was in tears with the last one. Did, had, I, I don't know. Have you Have you been to this last one?
1: Not yet. The no. Time
2: bubble tour. Oh no. Oh, uh, are you are, are you going? Have you Have you have Do you have, no, do you have the availability to go? As has passed. Okay. Yeah. They did. Um, they did a movie, uh, Roland Emmerich movie, a German movie, um, from the eighties, and it is so. I don't understand how this movie wasn't cease and desisted (laughs) at one point, Darth Vader shows up lightsaber and all is like a bad dream for the kids. And I'm like, the audience is just the gas that they were dead silent and they gasped, And then they all laughed once because nobody could believe that they were seeing what they saw. Um, Just actual, you know, Darth Vader. And it was, it's a terrible movie, but it was a perfect mystery science theater movie. I love the show. I love that it was born in Minnesota and um, I I, I love the sense of humor. And it's, it's, it's a few years ago, I came real close to, to, I I pitched on the comic and uh, IDW decided ultimately not to, not to do the comic. Um, And it went to Dark Horse and Joel was writing it. So I lost, (laughs) I lost writing mystery science theater to Joel. Boy, I can sure complain about that. But, um, no, I'm, am a huge fan and, and I would really love to one day get a chance to write in some capacity for a live show or one of the episodes or something uh, that is, that is like pie in the sky dreaming. Uh, they don't need me. They have plenty of very funny people. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of like, you know, bucket list thing that I would love to do. Love mystery science theater and, and love all of the hosts they've had the, uh, the new one, Emily was was very good with this last tour.
1: It, this isn't might be another asking you know, to pick your favorite child, but do you have a favorite movie, favorite ep they've they've riffed.
2: Oh boy, yeah, no, this is this is another one again. Yeah, no, you ask me in ten minutes, and I'll come up with something different. <laughs> but um, you know, some of the ones that come to mind, the giant Gila monster, just just for you know, get that leg up. Um, the uh oh god um hobgoblins you know it just uh and then and then oh the um a couple of the ones that they did on live tour actually this this last one was one of the funniest was one of the funniest ones that they've ever done uh i i was in tears at one point i was gasping for breath um i mean they had they had a bit it was just a, it was a stupid joke it was the silliest joke but it got me so hard that the back of my head was hurting, and it was just a little Donald Duck figure and come at the camera, and they yelled duck, and I can't believe I didn't see the joke coming. It was right there, and um, and, and they got me hard. But I mean, yeah, no, I've I give me five minutes, I'll come. will come up with something else. You know, I mean, there's there's so many references to things that I'm familiar with because they made a lot of jokes about Minnesota. So it's going to go over a lot of people's head, but when they're talking about, you know, skydivers, I think was they're talking about the Eel Pout Festival in Walker. Wow, man, it's that's just <laughs> I've been to the Eel Pout Festival. I grew up forty miles away from the Eel Pout Festival, and nobody in the rest of the country is going to know what the hell that is. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, So um, oh, Miles O'Keefe. There we go. That's that's anything with Miles O'Keefe. Let's let's just go with that.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, now I'm just going through some of my favorites in my head, and it's like can't can't yeah. stop.
2: No, yeah. If I start, I'll
1: just keep going, and I'll just start laughing, and it's like that. that, that there goes the, the show. Yeah, that's that's
2: that's exactly. I mean, that's what it does. That's what it's there for. It's you know
1: to make everybody feel better. Oh yeah. No, we as I said, I, I go with we. I went with my gaming group, and a couple of years ago for Christmas, uh, you know, often at the end of the night, if you know we're about to start a big D and you know, battle. It's like, we don't have enough time to do this. We'll play a quick game of some kind at the end of the night cause we don't want to break up. And cards against humanity often comes out. And I made, I got a bunch of blank cards and we made a bunch of like custom inside jokes of <laughs> our gaming group cards to get mixed into the big cards against humanity. Nice. and one of the the running jokes from one of the shows we saw which was war of the insects was there's this one moment with this guy he's running running through the desert and get shot in there he died doing what he loved shooting wildly into the air and shouting about genocide <laughs> 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 oh. that, that, that is a card it's, it's oh god it's oh, so good that's perfect yeah no
2: I uh, I like that. I, I there needs to there needs to be this this type of uh, mystery science theater board game put together. That's that's what needs to happen next. That's what they need to work on.
1: Yeah. Oh, they, they, they throw that up on Kickstarter. It'd be funded in two minutes. Oh
2: yeah yeah. It'd be it'd be done. It'd be done immediately. Now i it just you know somebody somebody tell me it's happening and I'll I'll go wait in line.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know you could just very easily. All you even need to do is I don't know if you guys remember seen it. Like when DVD board games were big, you mm-hmm. skin that with MST3K, and it's there. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. You know, it's if 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 people uh, if 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 the, if the young people would would get back into the physical media, absolutely, that'd be the yeah. thing to <laughs> but thing. Um, but no, I I it's I, I'd love I'd love to see uh, that that come. Up. Of course, then I wouldn't be able to play it because I, I don't I don't tend to have a lot of uh, folks who have time around me to play video. Uh, Video games to play board games Mm -hmm. so i'd have to i'd have to just sit there and 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 play the game myself which which is not quite as much fun but uh you know that's that's what happened i mean that's that's just like me watching a movie at that point uh you know sitting there uh saying silly things to the screen that's you know i mean that's what i'm doing anyway
1: (laughs) So you know, we're, 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 we're getting on to the wrap-up, but uh, just one fun observation that I just wanted to call out to. Uh, you did a story for Wave Lou World's All We Ever Wanted Anthology uh, oh, yeah. with oh friend of the show, Anthony Marquez. Anthony's been on the show more than anybody else, pretty much. Oh, wow. Uh, he's he's yeah, a free Yeah, Peter. Yeah. 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 Ant, uh, Anthony, the comic shop that Anthony owns now, I worked at it for 15 years oh. under the original owner so mm-hmm. anthony and i go way back and i just oh yeah like, yeah oh that was just it was just i saw that I was like oh i I've, I've read the anthology it was like that just i hadn't occurred to me until I was looking. it was like oh right that, mm-hmm. that's great yeah no that's i i
2: I, uh, I had a lot of fun doing that the only the only catch was it was going to be an eight-page story and then they said hey could you do it as six i could <laughs> 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 we'll figure it out um <laughs> you know it would have it I think I, I, um, I mean, obviously, you know, you limited space, I get it. I, I would have liked to have, have seen uh, Anthony get to have, have fun with some of the action stuff that we were going to do in the, in the other two pages. It wasn't necessary to the story, which is why it was easy to cut, but it would have been fun to see him draw it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we got to work together a couple of times. He did a, uh, he did a, uh, Ghostbusters, uh, annual page, um, with, with Lewis Tully. I remember that he did, um, we worked together on uh, a Vampirella one-shot. Um, that was a lot of fun. And now, I mean, he's just off running the Kubert School, yeah, comic shop. <laughs> so I mean, he doesn't have any more time for me. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he was also my editor um, for uh, for a while when I was doing some stuff at Dynamite. So just a good all-around guy. And I was glad I actually finally got to to meet him before the pandemic hit. Uh, I went to New York Comic Con for the first time in 2019 and got to you know say hello and. And chat a bit with him in person and, uh, you know, just a great guy. I'm so happy to see how many ways that he is finding to
0: succeed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Shout out to comics, uh, comics, number one land baron, Anthony Marquis. (laughs) That's it. That's him. (laughs) Uh, What are you reading right now?
2: Oh, boy. I mean, it's tougher with comics because I don't have a shop within a couple hours of me. And I always forget things are out because I don't have the shop there to remind me. And because my head is down writing, which, you know, or comic creators often have this, I'm too busy drawing. I'm too busy writing. I forget, but okay. I do enjoy, I, I always, I always catch up with the, uh, the stuff that my friends are doing. so I'm looking forward to, um, uh, my friends, Mitch and Evan, I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up finally with strange adventures. Now that it's out in trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, my, my friend, uh, Erica Schultz just did a trade that I got, uh, the deadliest bouquet that's fantastic. Um, I did get that the, the Kickstarter. I've been, uh, I, have been loving that. I've been, um, I've been going back through some old stuff. I've been rereading some, uh, some, uh, Hellboy. I reread the Marvel's project that Ed Brubaker did, you know, older stuff. I, I, uh, I've been diving back into some of my old Spider-Man books, the Mark Wade and, and Ringo Fantastic Four run. So not all, not all new stuff, but, uh, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that I want to read. Um, uh, Alex Segura's got uh, The Dusk coming out here pretty quick. My friend Jason mm-hmm. Inman's got uh, Super Best Friend, going to go to Kickstarter here pretty quick. And his first issue, Super Best Friend, was just fantastic, silver agey, moderate uh, mixture of, of a Jimmy Olsen type with social media. And I, I loved that. Um, he, he also, uh, Jason Inman uh, and uh, Ashley Robinson, also had a book called Jupiter Jet. Mm-hmm. which was, you know, it was a rocketeer kind of thing. I love that. And I mean, as it stands, there are so many books out there that I'm always finding new stuff. And I have, I have so many friends who like, have you, have you, you know, I, I feel guilty that I haven't gotten into all of their hoover. Uh, the most, uh, I also, oh gosh, um, Alex DeCampi and Erica Henderson. I read, um, uh, Dracula mother. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh,
2: that was good. I, I mean, Erica just leveled up on art. I got to work with her a couple of times, her and Kyle Starks on, um, on uh assassination love and that. Ky- kyle starks's old head you know i i i've been uh, I, I caught up with that just i mean there are so many and i still have gosh man i I still got i still got uh, kickstarter books that are sitting around that, that that need to be read and there's this it's it's an embarrassment of riches so again I could also think I was reading something yesterday. Do, do I remember what it was? No, because he put me on the spot. Had I thought to write this stuff down, I would be like, "Oh yeah, now here's my list. We're gonna be here a while." Um, there's 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 just too much good stuff. Also, I'm I, I got sucked into um, I got sucked into some uh, some real reading books, some prose books, some uh, oral histories. I've been reading uh, "Everybody Loves Our Town," the oral history of grunge. Hmm. which is it's a fantastic I I like you know everybody's got it's just you know little oral histories are little little blurbs from everybody I I get a kick out of cattiness and different memories of the same events Hmm. which this thing is full of after that I'm going to be reading uh, complicated fun which is about the Minneapolis uh, rock scene from 74 to 84 and then you know a book on the replacements Trouble Boys, which came out last year and's been sitting around in my you know to read pile forever. So I mean, there's so much stuff. Oh, and Alex Segura, I got an advanced copy of his uh, his uh, murder mystery set in the in the comics industry in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and that's fantastic. And and I mean, so I mean, you know, it's there's too much stuff to read between you know prose and comics, and I uh, not enough time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I mean, yeah, they're, they're, you throw a stick and you're going to find something wonderful to read and probably something that I have read and forgotten about. And, uh, you know, as I move on to the next thing or that I would recommend. So, I mean, that that's, that's me trying to not come off like a schlub for not having a to go list, but I mean, there's, there's so much good stuff. I just, you know, I can't keep it all in my head,
0: but you you gave us a good list and, and you, and you, and you plugged your friends. So I think that's, uh, Mm-hmm. you giving people a lot to go off, which is fantastic. and Too many uh,
2: talented friends, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> these are good problems to have. But yeah. uh, Eric, this has been an excellent uh, hour and change. Final question before we let you go. Mm-hmm. How can people follow you online and keep up with, with Beast Wars and G.I. Joe Saturday Morning Adventures and everything else that you have going on? All right. Well,
2: um, the, the spot that has all my social media links is my website, which is burnamania.com. I thought that would be easier because uh, people always misspell my name with a C instead of a K. Mm. I was wrong. It's still hard for people. They're like, well, what does this mean? But uh, yeah, no, it's my last name, Burnham, like burn, ham, and then a portmanteau with mania. So Burnham, A-N-I-A dot And, uh, you know, everything is is there. They can find links to my Instagram, which is at Eric Burnham, or my Twitter, at Eric Burnham, or any of the other places that I can be Track down to online Patreon or Facebook or what have you. It's all there.
0: Right on, well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Oh, guys, again, thank you for having me and, and putting up with my my ramblings.
0: That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom, Chris is on Infinite Earths, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lasowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to wmq on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support wmq and at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a $1 donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail from my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the ComicsXF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our new bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from comicsxf.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider Woman series, Cap herself from ComicsXF, XF, and Asimov Fangirl, aka the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQNA on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel Pete Grote. Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013 and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember that ad where they use the Silver Surfer to promote a jet ski giveaway. WNQA!